It's time for episode 437 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where the only part of golf we understand is yelling for tech topics in 30 minutes. My name is Dan Morin, <laughs> and I am joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy and co-host, it's Micah Sargent. How are you doing today, Micah? You know, Dan, I read that this morning and chuckled. You said it then, and I chuckled. It's just delightful. I'm feeling great today. Sometimes they're all winners. because of that. Sometimes they're winners. <laughs> sometimes they are. <laughs> and sometimes our guests are winners pretty much all the time. It's the best. To my left this week, it is my good friend, the web editor and producer at Texas Standard, a writer about tech, classic film, and accessibility, co-host of Parallel right here on Relay FM. It's Shelley Brisbane. Welcome back, Shelley. Hello, do I have permission to yell four as well? Yeah, anytime you want. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And to my left is a writer, photographer, and podcaster. It's Jeff Carlson. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Hello, thank you for having me. The the editor part of me really wants to go in and, and correct your spelling of four, but no, I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> I'm going to kick things off this week uh, in my colleague Jason Snell's recently re- released Apple report card, which I believe several people here contributed to. There seemed to be a groundswell of people saying that they've sort of given up expecting more from the iPad. I'm kind of curious to know if your your habits using the iPad have changed in the last few years. Do you still use it regularly? Are there only specific tasks you use it for? Is it indispensable or is it really just sort of like a, a third device for you? Shelly? I've always used the iPad for specific iPad things. I was never somebody who tried to convert to an iPad-only lifestyle. And so it's doing what it needs to do for me. It's a teleprompter. It's a reading device. It's a writing device. I have a couple of them. And I I really like the iPad for, for what it does. And the point from the report card that I really agreed with was about the software not evolving. And whether you want to use the iPad as your only computer or whether you just want to do more with it, including multitasking effectively, I feel like the software does have a long way to go, but I feel like the state of iPad hardware is really good. And it also strikes me that a lot of people's changing attitudes toward the iPad are probably related to their changing attitudes toward the Mac as Apple has resolved its issues with the laptops. And as Apple is continuing to produce is continuing to go forward with the M1 transition, I think a lot of people are feeling like they can rely on their Macs more. And so they're kind of looking around and going, well, do I really need to switch over to an iPad? And the answer for a lot of people seems to be no. I have So right now there's an iPad Air in front of me that sits above my MacBook Pro and between the other monitors that I have because I am a hungry, hungry monitor user. And the MacBook Air just serves as a device that's almost always plugged in and is uh, running sidecar. And that is because it's super lightweight, so it can sit below my uh, webcam and serve as it's typically where I put uh, ad reads, ad copy for uh, the the Twitch shows that I do. And so it's sort of like a teleprompter. Um, I would say the iPad that I use the most is an iPad mini. Um, I really like the new iPad mini, the form factor, easy to carry around. Uh, But ultimately, I haven't increased my use of the iPad 
it still serves a very specific uh, role. And the you know changes in the software haven't really made a difference in that aspect. But it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how universal control could make a difference in the way that I use an iPad. And if that means that I'll be using it more, we'll have to wait and see. Jeff, what are your thoughts? I think Apple was really savvy when they announced the new M1 iPad Pro before they released the next version of the iPad OS because our our minds just went crazy. Oh, it's got this, it's got this, it's got extra hardware, it's got a faster uh, in and out uh, data exchange, blah, 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 blah. And then when the software came out, you're like, well, it didn't actually do a whole lot. So I, I went ahead and bought one because I've written about the iPad. I've used it you know, for photography for a long time. But I tend to use it a lot, but I'm doing the same things and I'm not really taking advantage of any of the newer stuff. Uh, I read books on it. I you know, do the occasional editing and consulting of, of data on it, but it's never been my main device and I don't really see a role for that. So I don't think I would have bought this if I had known that a lot of the promises of what it could do still haven't arrived yet. Yeah, I think a lot of, you've all sort of hit on the, the same feelings I have, which is, uh, you know, Shelley, great point. The Mac has improved so much in the last year or two, especially with the transition to Apple Silicon, that it definitely seems as though the iPad has, has languished as a result. People are turning more maybe to their Macs for a lot of the stuff that they were trying to get done on their iPad. Uh, the, the sort of iPad OS lagging behind in a lot of ways. The hardware has been a real frustration for me. Um, I'd like to do more with my iPad. I have a, I have a pretty old iPad. It's from 2017, and I haven't up, updated it in part because I don't really know what I would use it for. Um, what's going to drive me to do it eventually is just like the battery life getting worse and performance getting worse. But it's you know it's not something I use around the house that much. Uh, more often than not, when I find it these days, it's running low on battery. Uh, so hmm. I have to like plug it in anyways. And it's like, well, I might as well just use my laptop at that point because the M1 Air's battery life is forever, basically. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I struggle with it a little bit. I still love the idea. And there are some some cases, uh, especially traveling and entertainment, where I think it really is kind of indispensable. But traveling (laughs) (laughs) given how much i do that these days you can see why i'm probably not turning to it as much anyway thank you all for your thoughts on that let us go to topic number two which comes from shelly so every four years i stop ignoring sports and i watch a little bit of the winter olympics because i really enjoy winter sports and i love to watch what those individual athletes can do on skates and on skis uh, and this year, I'm wondering if, if you are watching the Winter Olympics, and if so, how you're doing it in terms of tech, and also whether uh, you have any feelings about uh, China's role as the host of the Olympics, given their heavy-handed approach to their own citizens' freedoms, as well as uh, foreign policy. I don't tend to watch the Olympics. I'm a, a cord cutter to the core, um, and I don't really seek out a whole lot of um, non-streaming TV kind of stuff, I, I guess. Uh, I don't know. As far as the the heavy-handedness, the, yeah, I think that that's um, something that this these events have a chance to sort of bring to light. I don't know if they're doing that, though. And then there's also the concern of um, how every Winter Olympic um, athlete has to use this app uh, while they're there and the security concerns that um, the FBI and others have put out about this app. Uh, so 
it's all very interesting stuff, and uh, I'm glad that some people enjoy it, but uh, not not for me, I guess. Jeff, what about you? <laughs> so my wife is a big Olympics fan, and so therefore I'm a big Olympics fan by uh, contract, basically. <laughs> I enjoy watching the Winter Olympics. We're using the Peacock app. I decided to go ahead and pay for a couple of months of Peacock to get access. And what they're doing for the Winter Olympics seems much better than what they did for the the last Summer Olympics. On the side of, of, of the politics and all of it, I have to admit I'm not paying as much attention, although I'm aware of it. And I think some of that is just because of my sympathy for the athletes because they don't really have a say in where they're going to be and how they're going to be uh, propagandized. Mm -hmm. And these athletes have such a narrow window when they can go to the Olympics and compete before they're either you know too old to compete compared to other competitors. And so I'm really torn by that wanting to support and and watch these athletes just at the absolute peak of their performance, and then all of the other baggage. So I hope that that a lot of the baggage that's being put forth is going to help make things better in the future. Don't really know if that's going to be the case or not, though. Yeah, I, I'm not really a big Olympics watcher. My wife does enjoy curling uh, and figure skating and some other winter events, so I sometimes watch those as uh, as she is consuming them. So I have Peacock Premium via the fact that I have a Comcast subscription, and I signed up for. This is a pro tip for all of you out there. Uh, you can sign up to get sent Comcast's like streaming set top box, and they'll give you Peacock Premium for free. You don't have to set up the set top box. It's literally in my closet. So I have access to Peacock. Um, but I, again, I just don't, I'm not a big sports person. And I appreciate, as Jeff was saying, like, you know, I appreciate the the feats these people accomplish, but it's just not not something I, I generally tune in for. As for the China side, I think Micah's point about the app that is supposedly a, a security risk is a, a real kind of... Uh, damper on things. I mean, obviously, China is not an ideal uh, a host for these games in the sense of uh, all the problems that they have with their regime. <laughs> but we're not going to go too much into that because of the uh, the sort of political bent. But I do want to mention that the one of the most fascinating things I heard regularly from security experts, even before the Olympics, talking about traveling to China is like, if you go to China, buy a burner phone, leave your real phone at home, mm-hmm. set up that burner phone for that trip, Throw that phone away when you get back. Uh, Similarly, don't bring any other technology with you because you basically need to assume that it is compromised in some form as soon as it's in in country. So I find that a fascinating, just like, uh, you know, certainly degree of concern over China's cyber uh, capabilities. Like it's just a kind of bananas how much they are um, so able to compromise basically any any sort of technology given their, their... a to Z control of everything within the country. So uh, it is kind of fascinating from a cybersecurity standpoint, but uh, I certainly don't uh, (laughs) envy those folks who have to take all those precautions while traveling abroad, not to mention all the COVID precautions and the like. So Shelly, why don't you wrap us up here? Well, as I mentioned, I really like the specific sports that are in the Winter Olympics, especially skiing. I love ski jumping. I love alpine skiing. I don't know why. I just love to watch them. And I don't get too jingoistic about it. I don't care if you're from Norway or Jamaica or the United States. I'll watch you go down a slope. That makes me happy. And because of all of the 
issues with uh, China as host and very aggressive promoter of these Olympics. Uh, my plan this year was to not watch them. And I just got sort of drug in because I heard about a couple things that happened with uh, some ski races that I wanted to watch. And so my next task was to figure out, well, how am I going to watch it? And how much of it do I feel comfortable watching? I have a I've cut the cord. I have a Sling TV account, which means that I have access to USA Network, and that's the only channel showing the Olympics that I have by default. And of course, I went to Peacock, and the only access you have to actual Olympic events is through premium, and I chose not to pay for premium just to watch a few ski races since I do have access to USA. But what it means is that rather than sort of saying, okay, well, this ski race is at this time... I'm just going to watch it when it arrives and serendipity is going to take care of what I see. And I'm kind of fine with that because that helps me keep the whole thing a little bit at arm's length, which was my goal. And I guess that gets to the politics of it because the one way to argue this is that, yeah, the, the, the athletes are the ones they're getting to go. The United States sent athletes, but they boycotted it diplomatically, which seems like a good way to sort of split the difference. But yeah, I have real concerns, uh, and I feel for the athletes who are experiencing those security considerations uh, in real time, as opposed to me, who's making an abstract choice about whether to watch something that literally benefits advertisers and NBC more than it benefits China, if I personally choose to watch. So a few ski races here and there, but I'm holding it at arm's length. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise. And to tell you about this week's sponsor, I'm going to turn it over to Micah. Yes, that's because we're all going to take a breath and smile, because Smile is bringing you this episode of Clockwise. It's text expander time. Keep everything consistent and accurate. That is what text expander can help you do. In this fast-paced world, things change constantly and errors and messaging those can have significant consequences. Text Expander lets you make approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes. So your team stays consistent, current, and accurate. With Text Expander, you can get your message right every time. Expand content that corrects your spelling and keeps your language consistent with just a few keystrokes. That means that your team members always know the right message for the right person at the right time without relying on memory or copy and paste. That's the pitch for uh, someone who's, you know, head of a team or who is managing different folks. But I, I think about it from the individual perspective because that's how I use Text Expander. Uh, and I use it every day. I am constantly doing date slugs. Um, that's 020922 for a lot of different files that I create uh, for clockwise. Um, I've even started using it for uh, there's a Discord message that I send every Saturday. And I had typed it out enough that I realized, oh my goodness, I just need to turn this into a Text Expander snippet. I've used Text Expander for a ridiculous amount of time at this point. And uh, it's one of the first things I install on my computer. And as I've said before, I think the best thing you can do is go get Text Expander, install it and start playing with it because you don't really understand it until you've done that. That's what happened with me. I went, I got it, I tried it and I thought, oh my God, this is a revelation. As a listener of Clockwise... When you go and give it a try, you can get 20% off your first year. Visit TextExpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander. 
That's textexpander.com slash podcast. And of course, our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show on Relay FM. And thanks to Smile. The folks who work for who work at Smile are fantastic human beings. And uh, I feel great supporting them and uh, feel honored that they support us as well. All right, we are back from halftime, which means it's time for my topic. Uh, Apple has acquired a company, according to Bloomberg, that uses AI to create and adapt music based on interaction. So this could be uh, a change in heart rate could change the way that the music is working, or a change in mood in a video game could change the way that the music sounds. I'm curious about your thoughts on AI-generated music and art. Is it art? Jeff, we'll start with you. <laughs> uh, I think it sounds fascinating. I don't know if it's something that I would really want because when I listen to music, I want to – I either want like new songs or I want to know what I'm listening to based on the things that I've listened to before. So it's that thing where if you listen to an album, you listen to a song from an album and your brain thinks of the beginning of the next song and if that doesn't play, it, it throws you off. So. I have a feeling that this would drive me slightly crazy. In terms of, of, of visual artistry, there's some amazing things happening with you know being able to just like make some scribbles and the AI will build a landscape for you. It's fascinating stuff. I just really want some way to be able to always tell the difference that this is AI generated. This is a per- picture of a person that looks like a real person that doesn't actually exist want to be able to know that that is synthetic and it's not people trying to sneak this under. And the problem is just going to be going on. Things are getting better and better and better, and it's going to be hard to to make that difference. I know I just sort of like turned that into like a heavy-handed thing, but um, in terms of just being like art and music, like, yeah, fantastic. I know people would love that. I don't know if I necessarily would, but I think it's fascinating. Oh, I'm I'm all in favor of AI generated music and art as long as they don't start writing novels, uh, because then we're, we're done. <laughs> we're right out. We're right out at that point. Uh, I mean, I think it's interesting as a pursuit. Like Jeff, I'm not 100 percent sure that it's something that's for me, and I also have to wonder about some of this. Like a lot of these cases, I feel like AI work by feeding in kind of existing corpuses of work, uh, mm-hmm. and in that sense, like sort of trying to build off what people have already done. It feels, I would say, derivative. I guess you know, all work is derivative. I suppose uh, I was <laughs> parasitical seemed a little too uh, loaded a term, but it certainly doesn't feel to me as though it will be something that ever replaces human created art. Um, because I, I think it's just you need that baseline, and and that seems to me that something that we are very very far away from getting an AI to actually be creative in that sense. They can sort of do remixes and create stuff based on you know, work that already exists, but I'm a little more skeptical of their ability to create original work. All of these terms are very squishy, I realize, as I say them. I'm sure there are people who study this stuff that would have issues with any of that. Um, but I mean, I, I certainly think it's it's interesting idea. I like the idea more of applying this to the trying to pick music for you that will work based on factors like you know micah you mentioned like your heart rate going up it's like oh if you're at a workout or something like that you want something with a little more intensity i kind of like the idea of having a you know like a a dj right for your playlist Mm -hmm. that's like oh well they're getting into like the intense part of their workout let's let's throw them a tune from their playlist that is you know 
peppy and, and it's going to get their heart rate up. Um, so I, I like the idea of applying it in that sense. But like Jeff, I think I'm, I'm more likely to listen to music I'm already familiar with or just sort of exposure to new music rather than just something purely AI generated. Shelley, what do you think? I think what Jeff said about disclosure is really important. I want to know whether it's AI generated or not. And I probably wouldn't choose to listen to it as music. I mean, remember, there's a lot of incidental music in the world. And as podcasters, perhaps some of us have tried to find or come up with themes for our shows or jingles or some sort of bit of music. And as somebody who has fooled around in GarageBand and been marginally successful not being a musician, uh, I can I can see some application for creating music that performs a function rather than operating as a piece of art. And I have no objection to that. But uh, this made me think of an article I read last week in Wired about audiobooks being recorded with synthetic speech or even AI-generated speech based on the speech of real people, which really got my attention because I have thoughts. Uh, and, and so I feel like <laughs> disclosure is super important just because that way I get to make a decision. And it doesn't mean that it's impossible for something auto-generated or AI-generated to be bad. I would just like to have that in my brain. Is it real or is it not? Yep. Um, I'm right there with everyone on that. Uh, I, I think the disclosure is important. I I like the idea. I thought about uh, Apple's memories, um, features, and photos, and sort of an AI that can help to create music that is fit for any length of uh, photo where it has an intro, it has an outro, it has a middle, and it perfectly kind of comes to an end as the, the photos come to an end and there's beat matching and all that. That seems magnificent. What doesn't seem magnificent to me is sort of wholesale creation of music by an artificial intelligence that if it's being used in a way of like uh, bolstering the library or something like that, that I'm not a fan of. I, I don't think that's where Apple's going with it. But uh, again, we'll have to to wait and see. But thank you all for your answers on that one. Let's go to the next topic, uh, which comes from Jeff. So Apple announced a forthcoming tap to pay feature where merchants can use the NFC chip in the iPhone to accept payments directly. Although it doesn't sound like this will be available for person-to-person -person contactless payments, uh, it did get me wondering, what do you use to send small or large amounts of money between friends? Do you use Apple Cash, Venmo, PayPal, uh, Palm Infrared Beaming? <laughs> <laughs> I love beaming money to my friends. Me too. It's, it's the way to go. Just beam me 10 bucks, I say. Uh, I've used pretty much all of them at one point or another. I think these days it generally comes down to some combination of Apple Cash, Venmo, or PayPal, depending on what the other person has. I, I like the ability to send cash back and forth uh, with people. It, it is extremely convenient at times. I'm really kind of interested in this tap to pay feature. Uh, it, it does seem like it it opens up a lot of possibilities for using phones and maybe iPads. We'll have to see. I'm kind of curious if each feature iPads will in, you know have NFC and enable this. Um, I actually just the other day used for the first time Zelle, which is the like yeah. system that the banks have come up with to do like person to person cash because you know wire transfers and the like are just 
kind of ridiculous and old and slow and cumbersome. <laughs> um, so that ended up working pretty smoothly when I when I gave it a try. So, I mean, uh, let me put it this way. As somebody who works for themselves and, and you know, does a lot of freelance for a lot of different clients, my goal is to make it as easy as possible to give me money. <laughs> so pretty much <laughs> any methodology that exists where that allows somebody to send me money, I'll sign up for it. I really don't have a problem with that. Um, but it is kind of funny that there's all these different solutions and, you know, not sort of one canonical way to do it. Seems to work just fine, but I, I do find the proliferation of it pretty amusing. Shelly, what about you? I feel like payments are like communication. You use what the person you're interacting with does or or they you. And, and for, for me, I had to get a Venmo account because everybody I mm-hmm. knew at work back in the before times wanted to exchange $5 for the cooperative gift for the person that's going away uh, via Venmo. <laughs> they don't all, even though most of them have iPhones because Apple cash has not Im, uh, implanted itself in the brains of most people who are not us tech types. And then I have a PayPal account that I've used for a long time for my business, for my book. And so I have that available and have often used it. Uh, I'm lately having to start to transfer money uh, between myself and my mom's account and the words, so mom, we should get you Venmo came out of my mouth. And then I realized my mistake and um, we're doing it kind of the old fashioned way with direct bank transfers. Mm. Oh, it's so complicated. I hate Venmo. I kind of do too. It wasn't my choice. (laughs) I hate Venmo so much. And so I do everything in my power to not have to use Venmo. The one that my family uses the most is Square's cash app. Around birthday times, uh, you'll usually get a card in the mail, but uh, you also get a little, like I, I send my siblings on their birthdays some money in Square Cash with a little happy birthday emoji. Uh, yeah, we use Square Cash um, almost exclusively. With my partner, I use Apple's uh, cash system just because he and I both use iPhones and it's just simple for us to do that. But I do, I just try to avoid Venmo as much as possible. Um, I think the last time I used Venmo was when we had a, a friend of ours who's a hairdresser come over to our house um, and she gave us haircuts so we didn't have to go into a barber shop and um, she did not have square cash or one of the other ones so had to use Venmo but I do whatever I can to avoid it as much as possible I just don't I, I don't know why but I just really don't like Venmo um, and then Zelle is is the other one that I have used uh, on occasion and it Zelle works well so yeah that's uh, that's that for me Jeff yeah. So I, by necessity, I use all of the above. And I did use palm infrared beaming way back in the day. That is a real thing, <laughs> mm-hmm, all you mm-hmm. youngsters who are oh, listening. Oh, I remember. Um, and I, I totally agree with you with Venmo. We have a, a tutor uh, for my teenager uh, that takes Venmo. And every single time I'm like – I open the app and do I really need to see that somebody just oh. made a payment to my orthodontist? Uh, you know, like it's, with it, emojis, lots of emojis. With lots of emoji, it it boggles my mind. The great thing about these things is they are relatively easy and frictionless. The yes. the bad thing is the friction has been pushed onto the the people sending and receiving the money because you have to go through this dance. It's like, well, what do you have? Well, what do you use most? Well, I, I have this and I have this. Well, let's do this. Oh, well, the this one isn't going to take money from my debit card. So let's try this one instead. And it's just like this this stack of irritation just to send somebody some money. So it's like it's super convenient except when it's really not convenient. 
Indeed. All right. That is four topics down. We have just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get to that, I want to tell you all about our other sponsor today. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. You should be able to rely on your computer. It should be in good enough shape to get you to your goals. It should be fast and organized and make working on it a dream. But that's not always the case. If you're a Mac user, you should use Clean My Mac X from MacPaw, who are diligent Mac developers many in the Mac community trust. Clean My Mac X is an ideal decluttering app for Mac. So what does it do? Clean My Mac X includes 49 tools to find and delete invisible computer junk. It helps to tune up the Mac so it runs at its maximum speed. It also organizes disk space, showing your large hidden folders. Plus, you can free up tons of space so your Mac never runs into issues with storage. And it fights Mac-specific malware and adware and protects your computer. Clean My Mac X is notarized by Apple, so you know it's been checked for security by Apple itself. And it really stands out on design. It makes such a difference when an app is enjoyable to use, so you'll always be discovering new ways to optimize your Mac. Get Clean My Mac X today with 5% off at macpaw.app slash clockwise. That discount's only available for two weeks, so go now to macpaw.app slash clockwise for 5% off. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of Clockwise and all of Relay FM. If you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, just go to relay.fm slash clockwise. By doing so, you can sign up for just five bucks a month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss whether we'd acquire Peloton. All right. Quick bonus topic for you. Laundry. Throw everything in together, or do you actually separate your colors? Shelly? You guys are animals if the answer isn't separate. Of course we separate. Of course I separate. <laughs> uh, I, the, the only separation I do is between um, like white clothes, pure white clothes, all on their own, white towels and stuff like that. Um, everything else, I don't mind having it go together, although towels I do wash separately as well. So towels and whites are their own wash, and everything else can go in together. Jeff? Uh, I'm a freelance writer. What is this word, laundry? I don't understand. No, no, no. Everything gets thrown in together. I don't have time or desire or interest in separating colors. I'm mainly with Jeff. I do separate out my sheets and my towels, but everything else goes together on cold. That's just how it works. All right. That's all we've got time for this week. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guests. Shelly Brisbane, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Dan. And Jeff Carlson, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, It's always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. And we'll be back next week. But until then, we remind everyone listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.